This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hey guys, this is Liv. And Dave. And And you're you're listening listening to Conversations. Conversations. Wait, what did you say? Conversations. It's Conversations. That's what I said. Conversation. Wait, why are you saying it like that? I'm not saying it like anything. I'm saying conversation. What are you saying? Conversations. We're saying the same thing. Say conver. Conver. Now say stations. Stations. Now say conversations. Conversations. Okay, let's try this one more time. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, this is Liv. And Dave. And we're Pizza and Parsecs. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to conversations. conversations. I think you're saying it wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm saying the same thing you're saying. I am 99% sure you're wrong. I'm 99% sure we're saying the same thing. And you guys are listening to conversations. It's a translation to a Star Wars nation. It's a celebration. Hello, and welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. Uh, and oh, oh, yes, I, uh, mm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm Pat. Uh, yes, so, um, this is. Oh, 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 this is, uh, episode, uh, oh, 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 85, <laughs> episode, episode 85, hyperspace. These calculated galactic routes have become an essential part of space travel for explorers, traders, and smugglers, but they ain't like dusting crops. Without precise calculations, you can fly right through a star or bounce too close to a supernova or experience a hyperspace collision. Nice. <laughs> and I think that voice impersonation gives uh, everyone an idea of what we're talking about tonight. Uh, if you haven't oh, read the title. Oh, yeah, a uh, little, little sprinkle. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm. So I was listening to some John Williams Star Wars music. As one does. As, as I often do. Right. Yes, yes. And I got distracted, punched in the wrong coordinates, and I ended up in 1993 on Isla Nublar. Ooh, we all know that one. Yeah, so it was a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. <laughs> uh, I didn't see any dewbacks or or any varactyls. Okay. So, oh, oh, uh, brachius. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I did see some dinosaurs. Uh, any rontos? Uh yeah. This one came across the screen and ruined the shot. <laughs> it was terrible. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, you know, it's like, come on. Can we get the Ronto Wrangler in here, please? <laughs> sir, sir, get this Ronto. He's in the shot. He's from the top. Run it from the top. <laughs> yeah, so Jurassic Park. You know, obviously the uh, Michael Crichton book that was adapted to screen by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. And adapted quite well. Yes, fantastic say. book and fantastic movie. Very different book than movie. Yes, it is. Yes, that's, it is. that's a whole series of podcasts in and of itself. There's yes. The differences between the book and the film. It, you know, the connections, you know, beyond John Williams uh, from Star Wars to Jurassic Park, you know, there's some very cool connections in there. And, you know, it does start with the creators themselves where you've got George Lucas in 77 uh, creating 
technology as we talked about in our um Oh, on George versus Special Edition. Yeah, episode. thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and it seems like we just recorded that one an hour ago. It seems like it, but it was like weeks ago. Um but <laughs> uh but you know, he created many of the tools and techniques that he needed to make that story. And to this day, they still stand up. Very much similar with Steven Spielberg and Jurassic Park. It is unbelievable to think these are computer generated dinosaurs with far inferior technology back then in '93. That still stands up. And in fact, in some cases, this movie is better than movies produced in the past three or four years. It's phenomenal. Uh, it's just... I would say in, in almost all cases, because a most CG, you can see that it's CG. Mm. Not to say dinosaurs aren't real, but they look real. Yeah, they do. They do. They really do. So it's So it's one of those things where like, you see a person or a creature or whatever, you know, it's like, okay, well, could be CG, could be not. Like, you, these look like actual dinosaurs walking through yep. the screen. Fantastic. Yeah, they did a great job of mixing practical dinosaurs with CG dinosaurs, and they just seem seamless from one side to the other, and that's, you know, testament to, to Spielberg. And then, you know, so John Williams and, and the, the creative spirit between the two directors are too definite starting points for this movie and the connections to star wars and that's the thing is you you have to have the right balance of cg and practical to make it believable uh not only that but um i heard uh not not to get off topic but <laughs> i heard ewan mcgregor in an interview uh relatively recently where he was um talking about filming revenge of the sith and he had some friends in town. He said, oh, I've got to come to set. Going to be filming when I drop off um, Luke to to his Uncle Owen. You've got to come and see. It's going to be a great <laughs> scene to film and all. So his friends come to see the, uh, the filming of the scene. And it's on a whole level of blue. And there's like a big blue gym horse. And so he's sitting on the gym horse, and it's like a creature that he's riding on. And so he has this bundled up baby. It's a baby Luke, and he's <laughs> he's got to sort of like jostle this way and that as as the creature's supposedly moving, and um, <laughs> drops off the child to, to not that child, but the other child to to Uncle Owen, and then hop back on backwards and and then do the sort of rocking again as he leaves and his friends were like what the hell was that <laughs> like just nothing but a bunch of blue and then you know and of course with the cg they they put it all in but it's it's got to be very difficult for the oh sorry it's got to be very difficult <laughs> for the actors to act against that when there's absolutely nothing yes and then to have everything so fake is noticeable so you've got those elements that are fake obviously you don't have the brachiosaurus walking the earth um however when they're up you know in the tree and and the brachiosaur comes over to eat the plants yes. and then the yep. face is there that's a practical right brachiosaur face that they can interact with and it makes that whole experience so real to the point where like you said even watching it last week you're like 
holy cow, this looks like filmed a scene with dinosaurs. Yes, yeah. And that sets you in the world immediately. Within the first few seconds of the movie itself, and you got the like, Muldoon security <sighs> leader, and he's watching these things happen, you know, and, and the uh, raptors coming in. And the fear that you see in their faces, of course, like you said, they're actors and they're doing a good job and stuff, but they're pretending. As the story progresses, not like Jaws, because you see the dinosaurs um, quite early. Pretty quickly, yeah. But the passive ones you see, it's the Tyrannosaurus, of course, that sets the tone and, the, and for sure the, the uh, raptors. Um, you buy into the world just like you did with Lucas. And it's within seconds that you like, okay, you're you're not suspending disbelief because you know it's not real yeah i don't know that it's uh, that, that you get turned off because it's not real because they do an incredible job of saying hey look dinosaurs are extinct but if you're able to extract your dna mm-hmm. and have a cute little graphic to explain it um, <laughs> dna and you're able to supplement that with similar genus dna uh, like from frogs and and fill in those gaps, you could conceivably create these creatures. I mean, yeah. I'm no scientist, right? But I'm pretty certain that if you had enough resources and with the technology that, especially the technology we have today, yes, um, that you could absolutely do that. Yeah. Which is what makes it so good because, it's like, okay, you know, it's not like land at a lost where. You know, they're like transported back in time to the Stone Age. It's like this could be something that that is scientifically possible. Totally. That's kind of the uh, the that's oh, oh that's 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 where it comes in where uh, you you think too much about uh, whether you can and not whether you should. You should. <laughs> so um so but that's that's you could see ambitious people doing this. And to think that this was a possibility thirty years ago. You know, literally, because in next year it'll be thirty years. Um, that's how much crazy talk! I know, and that's again stunning to think. You know, we speak about a new hope in the same vein, where it's crazy to think that this was made so long ago, yet still stands the test of time. Um, one of the first scenes that I connected to with Star Wars in in this one was when Muldoon sees the eye of the Raptor. I immediately thought of Anakin's Sith eye uh, when he turned. You know, like it was a very Okay. I mean, these are all loose, loose associations, but you see the, the uh, raptor's eye first, and then you see the fear in Muldoon, uh, his eyes, like, yeah. oh boy, this is not going to be good. Yeah, see, uh, that scene, you know, when he looks through the, the hole and sees it, it reminds me of the knot hole in the fence in the movie The Sandlot. Sandlot? I haven't seen, I've never seen that movie, sorry. I think I've told you that before, but... Uh, yeah, or... but, like, that was two weeks ago. <laughs> thought you would have seen it since then you seem to think it was pretty important back then <laughs> yeah i mean i thought that was on your immediate to-do list but okay whatever fine okay. um yeah. so that sort of suspense that is you know you you see this this creature through this hole and it's like okay well this is terrifying it's screeching and it's you know kind of banging against the sides and then, of course, when it kicks back and the raptor crate is uh, pushed back and that poor gent gets uh, grabbed and flung about, um, you're like, oh, well, they mean business, I guess. Yes, absolutely. And it makes perfect sense to have someone like uh, Robert Muldoon there to um, know about the raptors because he knows quite a bit about them. Right. 
which I'll have a bone to pick with him later about that. Ooh. However, a, a, a Tyrannosaurus-sized bone to pick with him. Um, <laughs> but that being said, John Hammond is this like eccentric billionaire, and uh, and he's got all this money, and he's got a grandson who's like super into dinosaurs. So I think that's a lot of the motivation is like his grandson loves dinosaurs. He's like, hey, I'd love him to be able to go to like a uh, dinosaur petting zoo. Mm-hmm. He he creates this park with uh, with the aid of you know scientists and and experts in the field and all. And um, of course, um, part of those experts are the team of Sam Neill and Laura Dern, who was in Star Wars as well. Right. Ellie Sadler and uh, Alan Grant. He's getting the park ready to open, and he wants their input to bring a um a bit of legitimacy to it, right? As well as his uh, legal counsel to make sure that everything <laughs> is safe and that he's not going to be sued immediately. Which, I mean, let's face it, he would have been. Uh, <laughs> yep. Come on. Yep. Come on. So he comes to them at the dig site yes. where um, there's a, a whole whole complete fossil of a um, raptor. Mm-hmm. He's kind of alluding to the ferocity of these creatures, as you've just seen uh, <laughs> previously. And then, um, and then of course, uh, Hammond says, I want you guys to come, and uh, I've got this fancy helicopter, and let's do it to it. They reluctantly accept um after he offers them like money to fund their dick <laughs> for like years um, <laughs> typical archaeologist uh, right so that's kind of the kickoff yes for this whole thing and then like newman shows up uh no, no, um no 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 uh, uh dennis nedry nedry yes um, newman. Yeah. <laughs> i think at the point where hammond shows up i started uh-huh. to connect the main characters in this story, Star Wars characters. It started over again, the movie. Because the, the way that Hammond is acting in this scene, in the uh-huh. trailer, he's hiding the truth of what he's worried about. It's like Yoda. Well, I have an opposite view. Uh-oh. To me, Hammond is the Emperor. No. Yes. And Get I'll t- out of my face. <laughs> There, he is building his empire on this island, and he is hiding the potential failures of the park in plain view, hoping to find allies to support his view that this is going to be all fine and dandy, and most people around him aren't supporting it because the nature of what he's trying to do, and he's hiding some of the key points to this entire thing uh, in plain view, somewhat like Palpatine. I disagree on a fundamental level that he's not malicious at all. You know, Mm. he's, he's not, Hammond's not, Hammond's not a bad guy. He's just ignorant to everything, which is completely different than, than, being a bad guy he's just an idiot so you're calling yoda an idiot no your wife's calling (laughs) Um, but but he's he's kind of bumbling at first and like who's this weirdo this eccentric weirdo in my trailer and give me back my lamp 
Um, <laughs> no. Uh, so, um, but it's just because the only people that really agree with him are people that are benefiting financially. Yes. You know, like the scientists are like, yeah, this is going to work as he's like lining their pockets. Yeah. And um, Gennaro, yeah, he and, loves the idea because he's a lawyer and he sees like just bags of money. Yeah. Yeah. Except for the coupon day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> everything else is going to, you know, they're going to make boatloads. I don't. Okay. Well, I mean, that just, that's the feeling I got. It's just the. Okay. The, All right. There's threats that he was trying. He was doing his best to, and I get it that he's not 100% evil, but the. He's uh, not evil at all. No, but what he's trying to get done is like, are you crazy? This is absolutely not doable. And you're trying to convince these people. Uh, you're, you're stabbing in the dark to get these people to support you for an idea that's ultimately absolutely crazy at every turn, whether it's dinosaurs you're, you're creating and the right. plants you're importing. You're just doing it yeah. um, out of what you think is cool versus well thought out process. And right. Yeah. While, yes, he doesn't have the 10-year or 25-year plan that uh, Palpatine had, I think ultimately he's putting everyone that he's bringing close to him at risk and uh, within, you know, possible certain death. That's the other thing, too, is he wants to do this. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, and, and of course he, he doesn't he doesn't intend to, you know, put his family in jeopardy and all no. this stuff. No, but... In all honesty, Gennaro should have been like, hey, maybe we should get like OSHA here just to make sure yes. everything's cool. <laughs> yes. Uh, like, he totally should have because obviously he did not. And uh, look what happened. <laughs> so it's like infractions everywhere on this. But again, I think that's part of his hastiness with trying to, to, to put this thing together. Yes. And by the way, I do understand Yoda. Like the, the Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's compared to Yoda in really any way. But the way he acts in that first scene is very much like the first appearance of Yoda when, yeah, when he's I, uh, I can see that. On I Dagobah. can see that. And yes. So of course we see Dennis Nedry meet Dodson about embryos. Yeah. And it's all sort of disjointed at this point because you've got guys with this raptor and then you've got the dig site and then you've got Nedry. So it's like all sort of weird things going on. But then of course they're very quickly drawn together. Because mm -hmm. then you find out that Nedry works for Jurassic Park, and mm -hmm. and that you know, if Hammond paid him more, he wouldn't have done what he did. So you know, it's again the people around him that are okay with what he's doing are the people that are well paid. Yes, basically he's driven by the, the Almighty Buck at that point. I mean, I get it. He, he feels undervalued, but um, and he's got access to something that's worth a bunch of money. He needs snack money. I mean, have you seen his desk? Uh, he absolutely <laughs> does. Uh, and he needs to hire a, a maid service. Because, yes. Wow. Yes. What a mess. <laughs> so basically, they get on this uh, chopper, Alan and Ellie, and they meet Dr. Ian Malcolm, who is Jeff Goldblum, of course. And um, it's, you know, it's these like different people from different walks that are all brought to this place to, to submit their evaluations on its credibility and its feasibility and... Certainly not at safety. However, um, uh, it's like, okay, well, let's see what this guy has to say. And then they're in the Jeep and they see a Brachiosaurus. Yeah. Everything, like, changes because you as the viewer see it and you're like, oh, my gosh. 
And, you know, these people that have devoted their lives to like the study of dinosaurs and the discovery of them are seeing them live and in person. And the way you described before about how, uh, you know, with the blue screen and the actors trying to act off of these things that aren't there, the reaction of Sam Neill and his glasses, and it's the the absolute expression of amazement and wonder sells it absolutely sells it and like laura dern it (laughs) it completely makes it's like wow they're really in that moment and it's it's a wonderful scene and again increases your buy-in to this world that's you know unfolding in front of you and this is the first real scene where you see these fully fledged cgi dinosaurs and it's um mind-blowing how still like we said 30 years later holds up as if it was created yesterday oh yeah and of course they're in disbelief because you know he's talking about this park with dinosaurs and they're like okay you got like robots or something <laughs> and then they're like oh these are legit real life dinosaurs yeah he takes them on the tour which which explains kind of how they got uh where they are with mr dna and and the tv screen john hammonds and the whole um, pinprick of the, sort of, of the blood <laughs> yes it's so ridiculous <laughs> And he's like, doesn't have the lines down. Yeah, right. so he's like, still he's practicing. Like, the timing is off. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's funny. So then, of course, start moving and uh, and they, they get off the ride. They almost break out to go to the um, the lab where they're yep. growing dinosaurs. So then they talk about how everything's under complete control. They've supplemented the DNA, stable strands. Uh, all the dinos are female because they, you know, looked up their skirts and... and, and <laughs> Made sure. Uh, 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 oh, yes, yes. Uh, in uh, Ian Malcolm's Infinite Wisdom, he says, uh, life uh, finds life uh, finds a way. Yeah. Uh, which, well, he's on to something. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to that later. So then one of the eggs is hatching and pokes its head out of the egg. And, and Alan's like, uh... Are you effing kidding me? You guys have raptors here? You understand what these things can do? Uh-huh. No? All right, cool. Let's just see how this plays out. Yeah. Um, uh, spoiler alert, it plays out poorly. <laughs> um, <laughs> then the, you know, he's like, okay, you have raptors. We got to check this out because now it's a safety risk. Now it's a safety risk. Right. Okay. You know, we dealt with the plant eaters, and that's fine. They're all at the, you know, herd down by the river. Um, but... <laughs> But now, like, this one's going to kill everybody. Yes. So they go to the raptor pen, and Muldoon, who's the infinite wisdom um, of raptors, is like, uh, yeah, so there was, I think he had, what, eight of them? Then the leader, like, killed all but two of them, which is like, oh, well, that's crazy. And then, of course, he, he mentions the systematic approach to their environment and how they're, they're testing to see if there's a weakness in the, the electric fence and all. Mm-hmm. Which is like crazy smart. It is. By the, by the way. Yes, it is. Brilliant. And so is the, the limitations of the lysine, the inherent. Yes, the lysine contingency. Yeah, like the, the inherent flaw that they programmed into them. Yes. But one of the core pieces of this entire movie that you know, harkens back to Star Wars is cloning aspect of it. And how they've cloned from DNA. They've made these replications from the... Uh, you know, well, essentially the blood samples from these ancient mosquitoes that were uh, trapped in resin. Um, and so when they're sitting at the table, at that dinner table, 
and they're yeah. going through all these discussions. And this is the second part of where I started assigning Star Wars characters to, because uh, I just couldn't help it. Uh -huh. <laughs> Once I got on it. Um, yeah, yeah. And the realist in Malcolm, to me, was Dooku. He was okay. the practicality of what the situation was. He's like, like you said before, uh -huh. he's got this view of it. It's like you didn't stop. You didn't whatever that quote is with the brilliant quote. You know, uh, your, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could. They they didn't stop to uh, think if they should. If they should. And that's something that I could hear Dooku say. I saw Grant and Sattler as Obi Wan and Satine <laughs> in this case, where okay. they, were, they were this couple that had this two different views, but like very much together, yeah. right? And uh, yeah, and Obi Wan being that very learned. Uh, being able to read the entire room and Satine being this brilliant uh, scientist, but also could uh, look at the situation and determine what actually needed to be done. And very pragmatic. Mm -hmm. Do you realize these plants can kill people? And then looking then at Gennaro. Yes. As uh, Ki Mundi. <laughs> For some strange reason, I don't know why. <laughs> he was Ki Mundi. Well, because there was this scene in Star Wars where Ki Mundi was in the refresher. And, <laughs> and 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 the um uh, never mind the, <laughs> the rancor <laughs> right right yes I was like what's the equivalent of a T <laughs> there you go uh yeah it just chomps on him I get it yeah yeah, yeah exactly uh <laughs> but that scene within that that meal that they had uh really exploring what what was going on in this world yeah really did connect to of course their, their character archetypes but um and the 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 intelligence with 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 which each character was speaking and trying to caution uh hammond with what he's trying to do yeah, so many different points of view with yes it too. yeah totally you know, and totally. and so you know the only one that agrees with him is the blood-sucking lawyer <laughs> and and that's the thing is everyone else fundamentally disagrees with hammond but they all have their own and very varied reasons Yes. For disagreeing. They don't all just say, oh, yeah, I agree uh, that, you know, this is a dumb idea because uh, these things will get out and kill everybody. It's like, OK, so morally, what are you thinking mm -hmm. from a risk management perspective? Are you out of your mind? Yes. So there are several different reasons why these characters are, are all you know, staunchly against this, which is interesting as well, because they're not just parodying each other like, yeah, you're right. It is a bad idea. Yeah. And so this entire story takes a turn once his grandkids come on the island and yeah stakes are now raised big time but before we get to that we're gonna take a quick break i'll be right back this week on storage wars tatooine a dispute erupts over ownership of a particular unit but the huttese auctioneer steps in and tries to settle it What's going on here? This is my unit! I paid for this up front for three months! And you're here trying to auction it off? What 
I store all of my boiler makers here. Do you know how much it takes to make a particular brand of Jedi mind-bending liquids? This is ridiculous! Tune in tomorrow to Hollow Channel 7 to find out if your rightful owner keeps what rightfully is his. Maybe. We are back. Thank you for our sponsor. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so just before the commercial break, we were... The grandkids. Uh, the grandkids. Yeah, and that changes so, everything. Yeah, so initially he's got all these people that he doesn't really know or really care about coming to check out his park. So if something happens, well, it's collateral damage. <laughs> uh, but now <laughs> he's got his grandkids here who clearly he's uh, fond of. So fond, he brings them to a dangerous theme park that's got carnivorous dinosaurs. So starts the tour. Yes. I don't know if this is true or not, but from my mind, this is the second act in this movie. Because we now we've got different stakes, right? We've got the kids. We've got the professionals are going out on their own. And you've got Hammond back at home base with uh, Nedry and Mace Windu. Mace Windu, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I kept wanting... In the Battle of Geonosis, to have Mace walk up and say, hang on to your butts. <laughs> it didn't happen, but I was hoping it would. Uh, the intro has happened. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we've got everything settled at this point. Right, right. The scene has been set. And that's akin to the Phantom Menace. You've got the, the players are set, and now your Attack of the Clones is happening. You've got the... The middle piece of this story, like where... Or in this case, Attack of the T-Rex. <laughs> or the clones. <laughs> ah, okay, um, all right. So the stakes are definitely rising at this point. And unbeknownst to Hammond, he's literally wittingly putting his grandchildren, like you said, it was brilliant, his, now his grandchildren in, in peril. He's got these other people who... He's paid off or whatever, or paid purely to come and evaluate this park. Now he's got his two grandchildren, blood relation, in in the hands of this park that ultimately he has no control over. And that's the driving force behind most of it because he's like, you know, we have to save those kids. Which, yeah. of course, he's not a monster. Of course he wants to save them. But it's not like, hey, you got to save that mathematician that I found that's kind of just creepily hitting on people. Um, he doesn't say that. No. So that's his motivation for like ending all this is because he saw that his kids are in real mm -hmm. danger. But not yet, they're not. Not so, yet. So um, yes. they go on the dino tour. Uh, eventually, they do plan to have uh, dinosaurs on, on your dinosaur <laughs> tour. Yes. Hello? Tap, tap, tap. Um, <laughs> yes. So then, of course, there is a dinosaur. Alan Grant spies a Jeep and a sick dino of some kind uh, off in the distance. So, of course, he jumps out to go see what it is, and, and Ellie as well. And there's a, a presumably a dino vet. Yes, that's uh, right. With the Triceratops. You know, of course, they're like, oh, this is not just off in the distance. Like, we're touching this thing. Yeah. Like, this is a, this is a dino that we're helping treat and heal and and you know it's it's got an infection tongue is all gross grant like kind of oh. lays on its belly as it breathes and just he's in awe that he's 
interacting with this dinosaur. And that's the perfect blend of physical special effects and in-camera versus digital. It gave you one more buy-in point for this entire story yeah. that this was like a brilliant, seamless connection between digital and physical uh, props because it was you completely bought it after seeing these things move. This one's lying on the ground, struggling and, uh, you know, breathing. And it's got this, this diaphragm that's opening and closing and he's laying on it. It was brilliant scene. And this is also one of the key scenes with the kids where they're now completely connecting with Dr. Grant and especially yeah. the young girl. She's like, OK, we're <laughs> I'm attached at this point. So now you're seeing uh, Obi-Wan. Sorry, uh, Dr. Grant as the um the leader for the entire group but also the one that everyone's going to start looking for to the, right. uh, to have the the answers to the crisis that's about to happen yeah and and that's exactly what happens a, a storm is brewing and of course old dennis there needs more more snacks <laughs> so um you know so he heads out to the vending machine i.e steal embryos yep. and go deliver them to the docks the Electric SUVs start to head back towards the uh, entrance, but then the power goes oh, out yeah. and they stop by the T-Rex paddock. Well, that's right, because, you know, Nedry needs to turn off all the electricity so he can go grab his embryos. And he right. strands the uh, the two Jeeps in the middle, unfortunately, of the uh, T-Rex paddock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like not a good place to uh, stop if you have to stop and not be able to start again. You know, again, like you had said, uh, they're they're looking towards someone. You know, when disaster strikes, to lead them, and then you've got like Alan Grant's like, oh, their 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 vision's based on movement. Who else is going to know no, that? Certainly not Gennaro. No, certainly not Gennaro. No. Yeah, I I can pretty much guarantee they they wouldn't survive minutes because they would just be like, hey, run for cover, and then chomp chomp, and that's right. it. It's or over. run for an outhouse. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. When you got to go, you got to go. Yeah, I mean, number two uh, is in two pieces, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah, so bottom line, they look at where that goat was that was just kind of chilling, and now it's gone. Oh, gosh, yeah. And um, it's raining like crazy. They can't see anything. And then this goat leg lands on the top of the car with a sunroof, and they're like, oh, well, that's scary. And then, of course... There's no power to the fences. No. Problematic. Right. Because you see the claw of the T-Rex on the top of the fence. And you see yeah. the T-Rex gobbling down on the goat. And it's like, oh boy, this is about to get bad. And again, if OSHA came and inspected that fence, then uh, we might not be having this conversation. However, <laughs> that's not how it went. That wasn't one of the um, invitees. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. He paid off the uh, inspector and that was it. So they're kind of like locked in these cars and uh, not able to move. So they start looking around at what they've got. You know, they got like flares. They got night vision goggles. They're heavy, so they're expensive. Put them down. Um, and uh, and then you see the vibration and the oh the, the glass you know, the, the water the vibration yeah. the water yeah. water cups. That's like a, an iconic moment of a trailer oh, yeah. or any movie in the past. 40, 50 years that you can look at and say, you see that scene, you know exactly what it's from. Of course, it's mimicked again with Ian Malcolm in the back of the Jeep. And he sees the T-Rex oh, footprint yes. in the puddle. Yes, and he sees that vibration. And he, yeah, and he sees the puddle in there that, that also got those um, 
impact tremors. And yes. Like, so T-Rex gets out, and uh, De Niro, he's in there with the kids, and that mf leaves <laughs> the Explorer and runs for the outhouse. Like, yes. are you kidding me? What right. a snake. What a piece of trash. <laughs> but unfortunately, he's like... The uh, Gamorrean like guard a, in the Rancor. He's like a Gamorrean to guard, the Rancor. Exactly. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, <laughs> but, like, what a what a piece yes. of human garbage. He's going to leave those kids alone yes. and try and save his own skin? Oh, man, he's no good to me, Dan. Right. <laughs> now, the so, boy. Uh, Tim. Tim. He's got some very good smarts about him on the, the whole dinosaur side. Um, so... They, in kids fact, love dinosaurs. Kids that love dinosaurs, right. like, know everything about them. Right. You read Dr. Grant's book. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost as if the two kids, the granddaughter and the grandson, are freed from the ineptitude of the lawyer, uh, while they're very much in peril, of course, yeah. to now be needed a rescue by Dr. Grant because he sees what's going on in this other vehicle. And he's like, oh, boy, I got to jump into action just like any Jedi would. Like, oh, boy, I got to there's something I got to do here. That's true. That's true. That's that is that is a good parallel. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so he jumps out of the vehicle, uses smartly, uses that uh, flare to attract attention. And like we said before, the Tyrannosaurus Rex reacts to movement and uh, sort of visual cues. He yes. jumps out and distracts it. And then uh, <laughs> Malcolm, being the quote unquote hero, does the same thing. It's like, Oh, dude, you just ruined the whole thing. <laughs> right, right. He takes a flare and throws that and then runs. It's like, no, you do. No. But now he's. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah, he's completely <laughs> ruined the actual solution. And then he right. gets tossed like a, a little stick. And then uh, he becomes a liability because they, now they have to bring him back to home base because he's basically half broken. And but he does survive, thankfully. And Thankfully, that, indeed. Yeah, because he's quite key uh, and a fantastic character and delivers one of the best lines uh, when he sees the uh, they're in a Jeep. They're going back towards the uh, the main building and he sees the T-Rex chasing them in the Jeep. Yes. And he's like, Pastor, we must go faster. Objects can mirror are larger than they appear. appear. And you see the T-Rex. It's such a brilliant. I mean, it's like right there. Oh. This T-Rex escapes and it, it knocks over to the uh, Explorer. And um, the kids are inside, so, like, Grant, I got to save him. Yeah. So he goes over to that. They're, like, super close calls with the T-Rex is, like, right in their faces. Yes. Blows off his hat and the whole bit. And then, of course, Indiana Jones style, he grabs it. And of course. Goes under the boulder. No. Um. So <laughs> he pushes the, the SUV, like, towards this, like, cliff. I don't yeah. know why there's a cliff. I don't know why. Like, it seems like a bad idea. <laughs> However... They build a cliff on this thing, like a dam. Yeah, some sort of dam, um, yeah. Lex and uh, Alan go over the side, hanging on to electrical wires, which is always a safe thing. The truck's starting to be pushed over. They're like, "Uh uh-oh. So they, like, rappel off to the side, and then the truck's just straight into a tree. Yeah, Well, that sucks, but wait, Tim's still inside. Yeah. So, you know, they go down to the bottom, and then he has to climb up the tree, and it's a mess then gets Tim out, you know, they start to climb down slowly because he's scared or something. And then the branches start to break and this thing starts to drop towards them. Yeah. And that at this point, you see this pending doom, right? Right. And it's coming towards 
to me, and I the look, only question you can have is why don't they climb around to the other side of the tree? Don't use logic. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw this, I was thinking yeah. back to the droid foundry scene in Attack of the Clones, where you've got these yeah. all these different pieces moving towards inevitable doom, right? And they've right, right, and it's and eventually that stamper is gonna. Damp his arm off, right? And, yeah, or yeah. fill Padme with like you know 40, lava, lava, exactly. Yeah, and so ultimately they do make it out of that, but the right. the but uh, it's close. It is, and the tension is extremely strong because they keep breaking those branches, and they keep getting closer and closer and closer. Right, uh, and with well, <laughs> the other side of the tree notwithstanding, um, <laughs> they keep getting closer right. down towards the bottom, and ultimately they do escape and the. Jeep falls out of the a tree and they fall perfectly into the hole of the Jeep and everyone's okay. But uh, yeah, very right, much. But a furthermore, that tension is heightened by the, uh, the genius that is uh, John Williams soundtrack. This is very true. Yeah. That subtle player in the background <laughs> makes any movie better. <laughs> right. Exactly. Now we're at the, at the Jeep chase scene where Ellie and um, is it Muldoon. Yes. Muldoon. Yes. Muldoon. And, he, Malcolm. and Malcolm's in the Jeep. Yes. Muldoon's and then that's driving. when the Jeep, you know, they have the Jeep chase scene. Right. Backs up onto the stick shift and it's a neutral and you're like, no, get it back in gear. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then much like in Kenobi, like you know, the T-Rex hits a branch of a tree and uh, the chase ends. And then uh... <laughs> <laughs> he comes up to the branch. He's like, oh, I, uh, uh, well... Send one of the chili peppers after. Um, okay. <laughs> so then it cuts back to Alan and the kids, and it's like, okay, well, there's a T-Rex on the loose. We can't just hang out here, so let's climb a tree. So they climb a tree uh, to kind of rest uh, out of the uh, reach, uh, presumable reach of the T-Rex. Yes. And uh, that's when they see the brachiosaur. And Lex, who's like so gun shy about any of these dinosaurs, is like so hesitant. And Tim's like all bad. He like wants to ride the thing. And he's like, just touch it, just touch it, just touch it. And she's like, fine, all right, cool. She goes to touch it. And it like snots all over her. And she's like done. Now she has PTSD. She needs a shower. The whole thing's a mess. Um, so then and we learn about the lysine contingency. Yes. Where they're in their control room and Mace Windu's like, they're too dangerous to be left alive. <laughs> or something. I forget the line. But, but that's very similar to that. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. And, you know, Hammond's still trying to defend himself. And he's like, well, when Disneyland opened, nothing worked. And Malcolm's like, uh, yeah, if, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. <laughs> It's so true. It's absolutely true. The pirates aren't going to eat the tourists because they're animatronic and not actual living, breathing dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so what they have to do, because Nedry like, screwed the pooch on the whole system like a jerk. Yeah, and that's a key point because Nedry, who was good. sort of... What a on, jerk. Yeah, because on his way to the docks... 
he encounters one of those dinosaurs, a spitting dinosaur. I can't it's a lophosaur. Oh, it's nice. Well done. Yeah, I read Alan Grant's book. Yeah, there you go. And uh, he, <laughs> as he's dying, the canister of dino DNA slips out of his uh, coat pocket and then gets covered with in mud. With mud. And now I believe that's like the key plot point for the sequel because in the book, yeah. it's. Yeah. Because in the in the book, it, there's a different ending with the velociraptors and stuff. But so he's dead at this point. Which I mean, good riddance. Yeah, because he's a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Gus like licking his fingers and typing on a keyboard, <laughs> like gross. What and a like jerk. Who, who can work anyway. in this environment? Yeah. So he's out of this out of the story, but <laughs> but he's left the entire compound in disarray with. Security. Oh yeah, and he's like locked everyone out, and he's got yep. a little ah 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 ah. So what's the magic yeah. word? Ah ah ah. The magic <laughs> word is you're a jerk, and I bet you're dead. <laughs> um, so then they're like, okay, the only way to fix this is a hard reset. So we got to shut the power down. Gosh. So <laughs> when they shut the power down, those uh, wily uh, velociraptors are like, oh, this part of the fence isn't electrified. Let's escape. Yes. And they escape. They do. <laughs> so Mace goes to shut it off yes. the third bagel, right? Then he doesn't come back. And right. Ellie's like, look, I guess I'll do it myself. Just like Poe Dameron, um, I'm going to run this shit myself. <laughs> I know. Boom. I know. There's parallels. <laughs> I, I didn't write it. I don't know. So anyway, she goes. And she's like, oh, Mr. Arnold, you're here. And turns around and just his arm. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's cool. But you're like, oh, my God, he's gone. So then she turns all the stuff back on. Alan and the kids got to climb over this T-Rex fence. Yes. I don't know why they couldn't go over to the part that was already ripped down from the T-Rex. But that's beside the point. <laughs> so they climb this fence. And then, like the beep, 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 and so Alan's like, "Oh, this is gonna turn back yep. on. We got, we got it's jet. about, yep." So yep. they're like climbing down. You got the suspense music again. John Williams nailing it again. And then he's like, "We got to get down." And then like Tim freezes. Like now's the time to freeze. Right. Exactly. Thanks. Thanks, dude. Right. Yeah. If you're shining flashlights in T Rex's faces. <laughs> anyway. So so the kid doesn't jump off, and he gets zapped off, and like dies. But it's good to know that Alan Grant's CPR trained, so he brings him back to life. Well, I mean, and, he's smoking uh, like Anakin, so maybe if Obi-Wan had given him CPR, he would have been okay. Stop it! You can't... Oh, <laughs> that's... Mm -mm. But that's true, though. I mean, the way he landed, he was, like, fried. I mean, he wasn't <laughs> necessarily as uh, burnt, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looks up and he's like, I hate you! <laughs> <laughs> And Alan's like, only a monster of evil. No, um, <laughs> then, you know, you find out that the raptors are out. So Ellie's like, oh, I gotta escape these raptors. And Muldoon's like, I know everything about these dinosaurs. I'll handle it. Yeah. After he just got done telling people that the the one's here that takes your focus and then you get hunted from the side. From the side. Okay. Yeah. He does that. He does the yes, thing with the, the fingers. fingers. Yep. He knows, he knows how this works. <laughs> And then his dumb ass is over there like, I got you in my sights. And then the one comes from the side and he's surprised. Clever girl. He's surprised <laughs> that, that they did that when he knew he explained it already. 
He did. And then what happened? They do exactly what he said they do. And then he's got the guts to be like, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yes, you did. You told everybody this 20 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And he did. He did. He did. And, and then he's, he's looking all shocked when it comes at him from the side. Like It's a classic line, clever girl, but... Right, but he's all, like, he knows. It's like he read their playbook, and then they execute the play, and he's like, what? <laughs> what the heck happened? I just right, told everybody right. this. <laughs> How did this happen? Wismoth is in this. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. So he gets eaten, too, because, well, he deserved it at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that only feeds one of the raptors, so the other two are still hungry. So what do they do? They go to the kitchen. Yes. Yeah, of course, it makes sense to me. Absolutely. And who's in the kitchen? Who's hiding in the Tim kitchen? And Lex. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Two defenseless kids. It's a good thing that they close the door behind them because dinosaurs don't know how to open doors. Wait, Wait a second. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so they open the doors and they go in the kitchen They're on the prowl now. So they hunt the kids. And it's an awesome scene. I love that scene. And you got the stainless steel. Doors yeah, the reflection. The yeah, it's... yeah, yeah, yeah. All that good stuff. So then. You got the, like, hanging ladles and stuff, and then Tim bumps it over and gives away his location the whole bit. So, they get out by the skin of their teeth. They get the security back online, lock the doors, and hope they don't have blasters the whole bit. And then um, <laughs> they climb up the drop ceiling and uh, onto the dinosaur bones in the lobby. And then the raptors are there, and they're like, ah, oh, crap, the raptors are back. The raptors jump on the bones, which are, like, suspended by, like, thread or something. So then everything starts crashing down. And now they're surrounded by raptors. And they're like, uh-oh. Well, now we're screwed. But they're not really screwed. Not really. Nope. Not really. <laughs> no. Because what happens? In comes the T-Rex. That's right. And it exactly. eats one of the raptors. And the other raptor attacks it. And then they have, like, this knockdown drag-out fight. And they bite yes. each other and all this. The banner that falls in front of the T-Rex when the dinosaurs yeah. ruled the world or something like that it was just defeated basically all the raptors. Poetic, but also fantastic at the same time. So they get out. They hightailed out of there, and then they're like, bring the chopper! Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! So um, they all get out and get to safety. Your characters are now safe. But that's because they left. They, they fled the They seat. fled, yes. Okay. So they took off in the chopper, and then the music swells, and everything's happening. But, like, there's still an island full of dinosaurs here. Yep. But it's problematic. Very. In addition to, to the, the other island that has the other dinosaurs that they're making, too. That's you right. Know? And presumably, like, B.D. Wong escapes. He's back in the sequel, so I guess he lives, too. Right. So it really sets the scene for the sequel and all, obviously. But, um... It ends happy, like A New Hope does. Mm. And everyone's safe, and the kids are surrounding yeah. Dr. Grant, and at the beginning of the movie... He didn't want nothing to do with kids. In yes. fact, he's, he made that poor kid pee his pants talking about exactly the Exactly. That, that, well, that creepy kid, let's be honest. Um, yeah, but, I mean, you know, he peed himself in front of all those people. <laughs> it's still a kid. So as you're flying off the island, the helicopter flies past this flock of... Um, pterodactyls pterodactyls and you think Which, pterodactyls are meat eaters too and now they're flying so you got yourself a whole different set of problems because yeah. at first you think they're pelicans but then you look it's like those aren't pelicans 
That's not a pelican. Because the first thing you think of is like... That's a dinosaur. Right. The first thing you think is that, oh, cool. You're making the connection that today's world dinosaurs are birds because they're the descendants of dinosaurs. But they, oh, those aren't birds. Those are dinosaurs. (laughs) They could have landed somewhere else and start eating children and dogs. Dogs? Yeah, they eat dogs. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Why wouldn't they eat dogs? True, very true. Oh, man. Yeah. But, furthermore, this film was produced uh, by Kathleen Kennedy also. Yes, it was. They have another Star Wars connection. Connection. Back, there you go. And, like you said, the the happy ending of A New Hope. But Darth Vader's still alive. Well, that's exactly it. Exactly. So, unbeknownst to them, they've had their major victory, and they made it off the island. Hammond, although, you know, in uh, in the book he dies, but, uh, spoiler alert, uh, in a movie, he no. lives. He's got his grandchildren. Richard Attenborough. Well, of course. Kill him. Can't hit. I mean, no, we spared no expense. So um, <laughs> they made it off the island with a sense of happiness and like relief. But just like in A New Hope, the Empire still lived. Vader was still alive. And so right. that threat then does come back, like you said, in the sequel for uh, Lost World. It's a very, yet another cool connection. And obviously it, it has to do with, you know, classic story structures for trilogies and and acts and stuff like that but still a very cool familiar feel yeah to the uh, opening movie of a trilogy and from from there much more of course we're just about to have uh yet another installment another jurassic world what yeah 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 so that that's that one yeah um It's fascinating because it's such a gripping story and beautifully shot and the the effects are still outstanding. Yeah. The book is fantastic to read. It was like an absolute page turner. And even though the book does diverge from the movie, it's still both of them equally are very, very entertaining. Yeah. And then there are components from the book that are not used in Jurassic Park that are then touched upon in some of the sequels to kind of deepen the lore and and Mm -hmm. to hit those other parts that weren't touched in the first movie that are still part of the book and part of the story and all, which is cool too. All right. So that's that. Jurassic Park. My goodness. I can't wait to see what the next uh, hyperspace collision is going to be. You know, they can like email us or talk to us on the tweets or whatever. I don't know. Suggest a hyperspace collision that doesn't have necessarily overt star wars connections but they can whether it's actors or we'll connect points. star wars to anything exactly so it doesn't matter to me it's one degree of star wars <laughs> right one degree of star- <laughs> yep exactly we'll now make it we work can, I mean, yeah so they can uh, email us they can go to the website they can do any of that fun stuff we're on all the, all the socials and uh we got the website Conversations.com, Twitter at Suations, Instagram, Conversations, Facebook.com slash Conversations, the Red Five Network, the Link Trees, that thing that you said with the forward slash something. Oh, the uh, bio.link forward slash Red That's Five. The That's one. the one. <laughs> yeah. That's... I like no stuff about technology. <laughs> I don't have them in my notes. <laughs> That's how you can find all the wonderful shows in the Red 5 network. It's uh, bio.link forward slash Red 5. And I would imagine that in the next coming weeks, 
there will be some serious crossover content with some of these Red 5 uh, yes. <laughs> uh, contributors, possibly in a uh, live setting yep. or, or in a collaboration of some kind, because we've got ScarifCon coming up. That's if very you true. Like Scarif Scuttlebutt, then you'll be interested in in all of that. So uh, you'll be hearing about that from them. Yep. From Scarif Podcast and from some of our lovely teammates. And you know, if you're anywhere near Chicago at that time, then um, swing by, pop in, say hi, and yeah. uh, hang out with everybody. Yeah, everyone's welcome. July 23rd at Murray's Caddy Shack restaurant in rosemont illinois and while it's a red five network creation of scarif everyone is welcome fans fellow podcasters like we've spoken uh, to most things kenobi leanne and lauren uh they may be showing up which would be fantastic but it's mm-hmm. just a gathering of uh, it's like a mini celebration for uh people right. in chicago that that weekend we'll be there and sounds like almost half of the other shows that are in the network will be there and it's going to be just a great time just to have fun with other nerds and everyone's yeah. welcome it's not just a red five network thing at all it's many people are yeah, going to be there it's not like it's not like an exclusive club no. everybody it's right. anybody that that is interested in this stuff can pop by Dominic yeah. Pace, yeah he's going to be there he's not part of the red five network although he should because you know we're, we're pretty cool and um he could be yeah so he's going to be there so it's going to be a lot of different and and Rose working on some different people who may be coming in so uh, it'll just be a great time just to have five or six hours at this place. And after that will be fun as well. So come on out for that. And we'd love to meet you. I'm glad to hear that Rosemont's not in Chicago because then we'd probably just be banned from Rosemont and not the whole city of Chicago, <laughs> which well, is nice. I think once they hear about what's going on in Rosemont, I think Chicago proper will also ban us. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, those guys, no thanks. <laughs> Oh, boy. I guess that does it for that uh, and for this. Yes. With that, um, that uh, oh, yes, uh, we guess uh, uh, we um, we got so busy thinking uh, that we could have a podcast, we didn't stop to think we should. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. Network.